One, two, okay, here we go. All right, uh, you know, I rely heavily on my phone uh, to keep me in line as far as like what's coming up for the week, right? Like, I don't know if any of you are here. If you've lost your phone, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing today. I, you know, I have no idea. That's like, uh, for me, it's hard for me to remember stuff uh, from time to time. Uh, like, I'm, I'm one of the worst at that. And so I have to make notes. And in the moment, if something's brought to me, I have to, to write it down then or add it to my calendar uh, or whatever the case may be, I have trouble remembering things. So I use things like, well, I, I, I use my phone. I don't really use Alexa or Siri. Maybe you use that. Uh, Siri tries to interject in the conversation too much for me. It's like if it catches something that it thinks I'm talking to her, it's like, I don't understand that. Well, you're not supposed to because I wasn't talking to you. But sometimes that'll happen. But uh, the other thing I've seen, like I, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up, and my grandma would tie a string around her finger. Uh, I know that's something... I don't know if you do that. Uh, for me, it would like fall off or get oily or dirty and then it wouldn't be any good. Uh, but the thing is, we use things a lot in our life to keep us on track, to remind us of things. Uh, my four-year-old is really good at this too. Like, I don't know, parents, if you're here, uh, if you understand, but like if you tell him something and you tell him like, we may do that next week, next week he's going to ask you, hey, are we going to do this? Like you said we may. Uh, a lot of times that's just a good way to like get the conversation down and move to something else or like maybe answer the question until another one comes. But hey, are we doing this? It's like, uh, I don't know. He's, well, you said it. Like, okay. And like, I've kind of just started going, well, if he says I said it, then I probably said it. Like, I, I don't remember, but. Uh, he's batting a thousand at this point. At some point, he'll figure that out and turn it against me and I'll have the different plan. Uh, but like, there's times where I'll say, hey, Dre, I need you to remind me to do this like when we get here or when we get home or whatever. The other day I said, hey, I forgot to give you your medicine this morning. On Fridays, I keep the kids. Uh, and so like, uh, sometimes they don't get medicine in the morning. It just happens, right? But I'll remember as we're leaving the house and I'll go, Dre, I need you to tell me when we're coming back home to give you medicine. And he'll say, okay. So the other day, we walked in the door. Hey, Dad, I need you to give me medicine. Like, all right, this is great. But there are times where I just like, I forget things and I need to be reminded of things. A couple weeks ago, uh, when, when I was, uh, when we were talking about what I was going to preach, there were some th a couple things and the option was like, hey, just pick whatever you want. Like, okay. Uh, for me, that's a little bit harder because I'm, there's a lot of stuff. Like, what do I say? I mean, if you've talked to me, you know that I'm a person of like few words, right? Um, that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> there you are. Uh, so, but for me, it's, I've always got a ton to say. But as I thought about this and prayed about this and really went, Lord, what would you have me to say? Uh, this thing that we're going to talk about this morning just kind of kept coming up. Uh, and really, it's what God's been doing in my life. Uh, not only in the last uh, couple weeks or months, but the last several years. Uh, it's been something like this has been something that God has continued uh, to bring back into my life in, regard, or in different ways uh, to remind me of something that I desperately need to know and remember. And, and, and my guess is it's something that you uh, may struggle with too because the truth is like we, I feel like most of us uh, live lives that are just really crazy. Like we were talking about our schedule uh, last night and about what's coming up next and what's going on and the things we've got he here and here and here and uh, T-ball's about to start. So, we'll, you know, we're getting that and all this stuff's rolling and uh, you that have seniors or like end of school year banquets and all that stuff, like man, it's coming, right? Things are moving really fast. 
And so I think in this moment, we maybe all need to hear this because I think the, the urgency of the schedule or the urgency of the year or the urgency of the time can lead us to worry, can lead us to anxiety, can lead us to, uh, to just this stress that we um, feel at times. And so though we've heard this before, and though you've heard this message before, because it'll be Matthew 6 is where we're at. I don't know when we covered this, but we've been walking through Matthew for a long time. Don't go back and look for it and like, compare messages, because if it's worse, that's awkward. If it's better, that's awkward, right? Uh, <laughs> so anyway, all right. Sometimes I got focused too, so we're, we're going to try to get this focused but it's really good to be reminded of things and remember things, even uh, multiple times in the Bible. It's why I read the Bible through uh, on an annual basis, because though I've read it before, it's something that God can use uh, in work and things that I've never even seen before uh, will be brought out. And so I think it's really good for us to do that. But how many of you remember about uh, a little over three years ago, uh, kind of when the world shut down? We didn't go back after spring break, right? Uh, COVID, the COVID pandemic was in America, things started shutting down, stuff uh, just got kind of crazy. And I remember the date mainly because uh, we were living in an apartment at the time and we moved into our house the weekend before like it all kind of unraveled. It was hilarious. We were, or I don't know if it's hilarious or not. It was, uh, it was kind of funny to me. Uh, it was a little bit stressful, I think, more to my wife. We, we were in Paris uh, in February of that year, and I remember there being four cases in France, and we were coming back. They were all in the mountain region. We were coming back, and I traveled with like a, a backpacking backpack. And so we were almost through uh, at, at the International Airport in Houston, and there was a DEA officer, or I don't know if it's DEA, whatever that is, TSA, that's it. Uh, there was a TSA officer. Yeah, that's way different things. Some of you law enforcement are like, what is going on? TSA, yeah, sorry. I don't have a pass. Look me up. I mean, check it out, right? But there was a TSA guy. He said, hey, where are you? Where are you coming from? So, well, we came from France. He said, well, were you backpacking? Like, hold up. And I'm just like trying to get out of the door as fast as I can. But I remember that. And the world shut down. And we had moved into our house right before all this happened. And I just remember being so thankful to have a backyard because we were in an apartment with two dogs and a kid and that was just like not fun. I wouldn't recommend it if you're like thinking about that. Keep your house and wait till another one comes up if you can. But we got in this moment where life began to get really uncomfortable. And maybe it's uncomfortable for you to think about that. Like maybe it's, it's a little bit stressful even now to like think about what happened in those days. But life just got uncomfortable. It got unpredictable uh, and it just got crazy. Not in the sense of uh, our schedule, but in the sense of just worrying about other stuff. And this is why uh, worry doesn't only come with a busy schedule. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, as I thought about COVID and all these things, it was like a little weird in the beginning. Uh, but what God showed me through COVID was that downtime was actually a good thing. Focus on him was actually a good thing. Like I had time uh, to go and spend time with my kids. Uh, we would play. We kind of lived in a neighborhood. Uh, a lot of people had younger kids in that neighborhood, and so we would just kind of send them out in the street, like not really know if they should like touch each other or use the same toys. We were just like trying to figure it out, right? But in this moment, we, we began to experience more uh, depth in relationships with neighbors and friends and people that we didn't know. We, we, I began to have more gospel conversations than I had before, probably because I was living more in the present moment because you just had to take it day by day. Like there was no planning for it. You couldn't uh, worry about what it was going to be in a month. You could just worry about like, hey, what are the regulations for today or what's the stuff for today? 
Like I remember being on a church staff, we would come in staff meeting and <laughs> the beginning of every staff meeting, we would reread the current regulations for our like area and meetings and stuff. But that changed weekly. Uh, when we would talk about stuff at uh, the meetings, it would say like, well, we're just going to wait and figure out what's going to happen. Like we can't, we, we can't predict that. Here's some options. We'll, we'll figure it out when it comes. But that caused us to be more in the present, more in the moment. And so I have more depth in that time. That, uh, the good thing, the thing that I would keep, more depth in that time with my family, uh, my relationship with Christ, relationship with people that I didn't typically talk to. And so this was actually a good thing for me and showed me this, that when I focus in on the present moment and what God has for me in that present moment, uh, then my life is more uh, meaningful and impactful. It, it matters more. I was meeting with a guy, I had several guys in college that tended to mentor me and uh, I was talking to one guy about future plans, like, hey, in five years I want to do this, in 10 years I want to do this, and, uh, you know, all this stuff. And he, he made the comment to me, not necessarily talking about uh, the house, but he said, hey, Michael, bigger house means bigger problems. And I don't know that I really understood what that meant in that moment. Like, there was no way for me to. But the reality is, and what he was alluding to, was the more things that I took on, the more things I carried, the more responsibility I had the more things that would be demanded of me, the more worry I would have, and the more uh, issues and problems and other things that I would have. And so the, the, the same is true for us. The more things that we try to carry, the more problems we end up having and the more worry you end up having. Like the more things you try to carry, uh, the more you worry. It's that simple. And, and so it's, it's really good to remember this because three years from COVID, where are you? Like I thought about in that moment, like when it all happened, man, what am I going to be doing in five years? Like, I don't know. What, what's going to happen? How's the world going to change? We're three years out, and, and I'll just tell you on our end, like time is flying. It seems like stuff is moving so fast. Kids are growing like weeds. Things are happening on a weekly basis. It's just like uh, really quickly, uh, there's kind of the struggle to maintain balance. There's a need for rest. So what happened? Three years ago, I was in the process of just uh, living a life that I felt like, man, though I didn't love everything about it, it was like, man, this is like I'm having, I'm experiencing a lot of meaning in my life. To now, it feels like, man, I'm just trying to chase stuff and figure out sometimes, some days, it's like, man, what is going on? And finally, I get down uh, at night and just kind of sit there and like, okay, let me decompress. And this is probably where you're at too, I would imagine. But again, the more things you try to carry, the more you worry. The thing I wanted to keep from COVID was a slower pace. Slower pace of life and all of these things. And, and that was what I said even in the moment. But slower pace wouldn't have brought it. Like it wasn't about the slower pace because even you, some of you in the room are living a slower pace life. But you still can worry. Maybe you sit in your house and you worry about all these things with grandkids or, or, or about the, the world, about China and what they're flying in the air, or about all these other things. Like maybe there's times where you're, you don't have a busy schedule, like you don't have somewhere to be in two hours, but you're sitting there in your house and you're worried about these things. And so my life got busy after COVID. Things started happening. We moved here uh, last April. We're coming up on a year of being here. We love it. But stuff really started moving fast when we got here, and I got busy, and I remember the week after Christmas just kind of sitting in my house, not doing a lot of work, not doing a lot of things, just trying to relax and realizing, man, I needed this. 
Like, I needed to just rest. In that moment, I began, uh, I was doing some reading on Sermon on the Mount, which is where we're going to be today. And, and God continued to remind me of this again. So not only did I, uh, was I reminded of it and learned it during COVID, God reminded me of it and I learned it again during uh, the Christmas break. And then you would think, like, you know, that that would hold for a little while. But uh, it, it was funny. We were traveling to Malawi several weeks ago. And I remember talking to the team about, man, I don't, I'm not worried about bags. Like, I don't worry about bags because uh, uh, I just can't put them on the plane. And so if I can't do anything about them, I don't worry about them. And I said that, like, believed it. But, you know, when you say stuff and God's like, okay, let me test that theory. <laughs> Just don't say, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but like, I, I believe that. Tuesday of that next week, we were supposed to be going out and evangelizing. I got a text from home that took me out of that trip for that day, mentally. I mean, I was still there. But mentally, I just began to worry. I was overcome with worry. It was something that I was uh, having a hard time with. And by the grace of God, God provided someone to go with us that day. I talked to him and just said, hey, I want you to do the evangelizing. I just want to sit and pray. Like, I will pray for you as you share the gospel. I'll pray for the people that were sitting around. But like, I can't do this. I'm not here. Well, God provided that. And in the midst of me praying that day, uh, really reminded me of this truth again. Because what he said is, Michael, you can't control this either. Like the words that I'd said to the team about a week beforehand about bags and not worrying about them because I couldn't control them, God kind of reminded me of and went, man, you can't control this either. It feels like you can. It feels closer because uh, you're the dad that, and this is your family and you need to be doing something about it. God's been working that out too. But in that moment, it was like, no, this is on me. I need to take care of this. And God said, man, you can't control that either. And so in the midst of my life, what God is continuing to be showing me and continuing to bring back up, what I'm continually reminded of, because I need it, is this thing about worry. And as I think about that time uh, of this, this lesson uh, that I learned in my life, like I, I think about how quickly uh, I've forgotten it, how quickly we can forget life lessons but also, uh, more than just that, th this message is not only about worry, it actually points to something much deeper. Worry is just a side effect of what we're going to talk about this morning. And I want you to turn, if you've got your Bibles, uh, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. We're going to start uh, in verse 25, but before we get there, we're on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so this is kind of Jesus' first public sermon that he's bringing. It goes from Matthew 5 to 7. Jesus is unpacking and describing what a Christ follower's life should look like. Uh, they didn't know. Like, uh, Jesus hadn't been there yet. And so he's telling them and teaching them, what does this look like to follow Jesus? And so he's in the midst of covering this. And in Matthew 6, 25, he says this, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what, will you eat, what you will eat or what you will drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, before we go any further into this, I want us to stop right here. And if you got your Bible, uh, this, you see this word. Therefore. I, something I've always remembered. Uh, I was taught as a student. My youth pastor said it all the time. Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, always ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? Like, 
the, the reality of language, which I'm not great at English, but the things that I do know, like the reality of this, uh, the meaning behind this word and the intention behind this word is to connect whatever's just been said to what's about to be, be said. And so in, in this moment, as Jesus is talking, he uses the word therefore so that they don't quickly forget what he just talked about. And so if we're going to truly unpack what's going on here, uh, we need to understand what he's talking about beforehand. Matthew 6, 19 through 24 is kind of the, uh, the, the passage just before this one. And as Jesus is talking, he's talking about several things. There's themes that kind of are brought up in this passage. One is that there's this idea of temporary and eternal things. Temporary things are things that you can't control and will be gone. Uh, he says temporary things like store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust will take over and thieves will break in and steal. And so these are things that you can't control, things that are not going to last. There's these things in the world. You can spend your time on these things, but you can also spend your time on eternal things that you can control and will remain. Why? Because uh, he, he says you can store up for yourself treasures in heaven. You have some, some control over what you do for eternity. In fact, this is the only thing we can control in this life is where you're going to spend eternity. And so these things that you can control and will remain, uh, he's talking about that. So you've got temporary and eternal things. And then he closes in verse 24 talking about how you can, uh, you can only serve, uh, you cannot serve two masters. So you can spend your time on temporary things, you can spend your time on eternal things, but you can't spend your time doing both. Like you can't do both in the same moment. You're going to do one or the other. And so Jesus says, therefore, since we, we have temporary and eternal things and we can only spend our time doing one thing, therefore, don't worry. It's the first time of three times that Jesus uses this phrase in uh, this specific passage. So Jesus says this, don't worry. Don't worry about these things on earth that you can't control and won't last. Don't worry about your life that you have no control over. You, what you will eat or, or what you will drink or your body, what you will, what you will wear. So Jesus is pointing to these things that we worry about are actually temporary things that we cannot control and will be gone. They have no impact on eternity. So don't worry about these things. The physical necessities and luxuries of this life, don't worry about it. And so if Jesus says don't worry, I think it's really important to ask the question first, what are you worried about? This morning, right now, in this moment, what are you worried about? What's even keeping you from focusing on what we're talking about, from focusing on what Jesus is going to say? Like what things are in your mind that you're stressed about or worried about? What's keeping you from being in this moment, hearing what God has to say to you now? What is it? And I would encourage you, uh, write those down. Maybe take the next week and, and write down just daily or, or however you want to do that, but write down the things that are worrying you. The things that are taking time and energy, the things that are taking uh, focus and attention. Because when you're worried, that's the thing that you are focused on and giving attention to. And so what worries you? And here's the thing you need to know about these worries. Your worries will, will tell you and be an indicator of your life purpose or how you feel uh, your purpose is. 
Now, if I was going to ask you to, to come up here, uh, and I'm not, don't worry, uh, but if I was going to ask you to come up here uh, and introduce yourself, you would probably give your name, maybe where you lived, like some of you, Brownsboro, Chandler, Athens, Tyler, etc. You would give where you lived. You'd probably give like if you're married or not, some type of information about your family. Uh, and that may be it. Like these are the things that we typically want to be known for uh, or whether or not it's want to be known for, we, this is typically how we view our identity. You may say I'm a Christian or, or all these things, but uh, if you wrote down that list of worries this week, would the top three be things that you would want to say? Like, hey, I'm Michael and I, I'm worried about uh, something happening in another part of the world. Or I'm Michael, and I'm, I'm worried about this thing uh, that's happening at work. I'm, I'm doing these things. Like, yes, it's good for us to know these things and to share them with each other, but is this where your identity is? Because the, the thing about this exercise is understanding, man, what am I currently valuing above everything else? What's taking the most of my time and my priority? What's taking the most of my focus? Maybe it is these things, maybe it's not, but what temporary thing on this earth that will be gone in eternity is taking your worry and your focus right now? And then it says, so don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, what you will wear, because uh, that stuff is temporary. And, and this is a, kind of an interesting thing, because you look at all these things and you go, man, that's easier said than done, right? Like, these things matter. So why do I not need to worry about them? Like it matters uh, that your kids develop and grow and have the things they need to succeed. Like it matters. It, it matters that uh, you work hard and manage your resources well. It matters uh, that you eat like you need to eat to live. Praise the Lord. I love food, right? You're a Baptist. Y'all got to love food. I mean, come on. But you also need clothes and a house. So you can look at this and go, man, what is going on here? Because we do need these things. So why is God saying don't worry about it? What does that mean? And again, all this points to a lazy, uh, uh, not a lazy, sorry, I read a different, I read a wrong line. Uh, but all this points to a deeper issue. And I think at times we can hear this and like, for me specifically, I can hear uh, this verse and I can say, well, I'm, Maybe that doesn't matter because this really does. Like, I don't know why he's saying this, and I kind of just write it off or ignore it, or ignore it or avoid it because I go, man, these things are needed. Maybe I go, don't worry. Uh, there's times in my life where it's like, well, he said don't worry, so maybe that means I don't need to do anything about it. I don't need to have the hard conversation. I don't need to, to do these other things. Like, uh, Jesus is not saying this to give us the excuse to be lazy. He's talking about the birds uh, in this next this next verse, he gives this example of the birds. And so he's not saying that we can't uh, do this to, to be lazy. He says this in Matthew 26, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? And though they don't still uh, sow or reap, they do go and get food. Like they go and build nests. They still do some work. So what's he talking about here? Jesus is not saying uh, to sit on your, in your house and just wait for food to be uh, delivered on your porch. That does happen with like delivery and stuff, but you still have to do something to get that. Like we can't just sit there. It's not just an excuse to sit there and go, okay, well, I'm just going to let God provide. That's not what he's saying either. 
And, and I think we come to this conclusion because most of the time when we read the Bible, and I'm guilty of this too, most of the time when we read the Bible, uh, we put ourselves in it and we read it like this is all for us and it's all about us. Like we read the Bible thinking about, man, how, how does this relate to me and what does this mean to me? And uh, here, I want to try to be really clear here. I'm not saying that uh, the Bible isn't written for us. It is written for us, but it's not written about us. And I think a lot of times we read the Bible like this is all for us. This is all about us. Uh, and so we have these things like, man, God, what are you saying? Because, uh, like, I need these things. I do need to worry about these things. Like, what's going on here? But when we inject ourselves into the story, it gives us the wrong uh, kind of interpretation for what he's saying here. In fact, Jesus isn't saying this for us to go uh, to, to maybe give that response. What, why he's saying this is he's trying to point uh, to God himself and give us an attribute about him that we can trust and rely on. What Jesus is saying through this uh, is that you could, should consider the birds uh, of the air and the sky. Your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you worth more than they? So what he's saying is God's given us these birds and he's given us this example uh, to know that God provides. That God is a provider and if, uh, if he provides for the birds, uh, we are so much more important than the birds. He's going to provide for us even more. So how do we miss this? Two things. I think one, we miss this because uh, what we would say uh, God's provision for us is, like that image that we would give, what we want, what we need is different than what we actually want and need. Like how many of you parents let your kids, or especially like toddlers, decide what they're going to eat? Like my son would need fruit snacks to live. I mean, he needs them. Like it is critical. And so he'd only eat that if I let him. Why? Because uh, that's what his perception is. So there's things that I don't even ask him. Like, I'm not even asking him certain things. I just know that he needs it, and I give it to him. Is it what he wants? No. But, man, it's the same way with God. Like, God is our provider, our shepherd, our father. All of these things in the Bible that it says to be true about God, that he's going to provide for us, he knows what we need, and he provides what we need. But most of the time, we don't really know what we need. And so therefore, we look at God's provision and we go, God's not a provider because this is not what I wanted. And doesn't that make you just like real frustrated when your kid does that, right? Like, I don't want that. Like, well, you got it. But we do the same with God. So we miss that he's providing for us because we're not attributing that to him. But then this other thing is we take a lot of what God provides for granted. A lot of his provision, we just don't even attribute to him. I saw a video three or four years ago. I tried to find it. I couldn't, but it was around Christmas time. A church put this out. Uh, I think it was a church. I don't remember. Uh, hard time remembering stuff, right? Uh, but anyway, there's this video that we see, and like everything, this family wakes up on Christmas morning, and everything is like wrapped. Like the faucet is wrapped, and the, the light switch is wrapped, and the roof is wrapped, like all this stuff. And the parents are just like peeling into it, like, yeah, like, this is great. And like the kids are like, what the heck? What's going on here? Like, uh, what's supposed to happen? And the, the message was that these kids were taking stuff for granted and not attributing it to that. But I think the same time uh, as us, we look at what God's provided for us and we don't see it as something that God provided. There's a 
like a, a thing that is kind of growing in culture, like this, this statement of like self-made. Like, man, I, I can, I've done all this. I've worked all this. The, the notion is like, man, I've put in all the hard work. Nobody's helped me along the way. Like, I've done this. I'm not like speaking out against that directly, but it's more of just saying, like, I think this can be our, uh, our response to God. Like, we can look at the things in this life that are provided for us, uh, and we can just go, man, uh, I did that. Like, the lights came on because I went to work, and I came home, and I got paid because I went to work. And so we don't attribute it to God. We don't attribute God as provider because we don't recognize his provision for us. And so he's saying this, man, we may be taking God's provision for granted. He uses this example to show us that. And that's the question I have for you. Are you taking God's provision for granted? And then he moves on to verse 27. Oh, sorry. I messed that one up. That's on me. Verse 27, he says this. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? You see, I think we think worrying is going to do something about the problem. Like we look at worrying as if it's going to add, if it's going to give something, if it's going to solve the problem, if it's going to give the solution. And so we worry because we feel like that's going to work. But what Jesus is saying is just worrying about something is not going to work. It's not going to change anything. It actually just takes away. So don't worry. And then he gives another example in verse 28. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field of the field that grow. They don't labor or spin or thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God's clothes, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do so much more for you? And he says this, you of little faith. It's like, oh, that one stings, right? So what he's talking about is there's, this second analogy talks about clothing the flowers. What's the difference between the birds and the flowers? The birds are working, the flowers are not. Again, this is not to say that we can be lazy or not do anything or just uh, wait for God to do stuff. Jesus uses the last part of that verse 30 to point us in the right direction. What's he talking about this whole time? You of little faith. So this isn't actually about worry. The, tr the truth is, this isn't about your worry. This is actually about your trust in Jesus. Your trust in God and his plan for your life, your trust in God and his provision, this isn't about your worry. And so you don't stop worrying by trying to stop worrying. Like I, I did, I've like finally lost some weight, something I've been trying to do for a long time before we moved here. Trying to keep it off. But the thing that worked for me was, was to just stop thinking about the things that I couldn't eat. Like if I thought every day, like, hey, I, need, I don't need to eat the cookie at lunch. I don't need to eat the cookie at lunch. I don't need, like it was like finally, like eventually, then I would eat it. Like, man, what did I do, right? And then it's like, well, I ate one. Might as well eat two, right? I mean, what's it going to do? <laughs> this is not good thinking, but that's what we do. And so in the... In the midst of this example, I think we can read verse 25 and we say, well, I just need to stop worrying. 
But if you stop worrying and try to stop worrying and think about that, then all you're going to do is worry. If you focus on this, all you're going to do is worry. And why Jesus says this, you of little faith, is because he's trying to get their attention, try to redirect their path, try to refocus what they're talking about. Because the brokenness of our humanity says, I want control. I want to do it. I want to be in control of it. I want it to all be on me. Like when I was a kid, I, I thought about, you know, the, the home run and the, the ninth out or the ninth inning, two outs left, bases are loaded, we're down four or three, and I hit the grand slam. Like that's what I envisioned in my head. I wanted that. As a person, I want control. Like I want to provide. I want to be the one that does it. This is true of my life, and it's something that God said even in the midst of the things that I do. Hey, where are you trusting me? And what Jesus wants to see is that the, the birds and the grass are completely dependent on something else. And we're good at trusting things. You trust your phone to tell you where to go. You just put it in and hit go, and we're going to spend 14 hours on the road like I do. You trust drivers on 31. Pretty crazy, right? Like we put a lot of trust in other things, but what Jesus is saying to us is you have to trust in him. You have to trust in God. It's not about your worry. It's about where you put your trust and what your trust is in. If you trust in something stable, then you'll have hope. That's what we'll talk about in this season as Easter comes. And so when you trust God, you don't worry about it, not because you're, you're trying to stop worrying. It's just you're focused on trusting God. So trust God and let him carry, uh, because the more things you try to carry, uh, the more things you're going to worry about. And then he goes to this in verse 31. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So where is he going with this? Well, in the midst of this message, this, what he's saying, Gentiles, he's kind of talking about the culture. The culture, what he's saying is the culture around you runs to these things. They, they worry about these things. They think about these things. They have value in these things. They, uh, they live based on these things. And they're focused on it. They wake up in the morning and go, okay, what are we going to do about X, Y, Z? And they go for it. And Jesus is saying, as Christ followers, our focus needs to be different. Our focus doesn't need to be on the things that we worry about. Our focus needs to be uh, on the things that, uh, that God has given us to do uh, that have eternal significance. He's calling us to spend energy chasing him, not our problems, because we weren't designed or even asked to carry those, carry those problems anyway. And then we get to Matthew 6.33. It says this, but seek first the kingdom of God. You've probably read this before. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. I think we can read this verse a lot and say, well, this means if I just follow God, my life will be good. That is not what he's saying. Matthew 5.10, just the chapter before this, Jesus talks about if you follow him, you will be persecuted. Like this is not going to be easy. It will be hard. But the point he's making is if you don't want to worry, don't just think about don't 
worrying, not worrying. Seek first the kingdom of God. Do the things that God's called you to do. Uh, Focus on uh, being with him, relying on him, trusting in him. What does it say about his righteousness? Our righteousness comes from Jesus alone. We don't do anything to, to make ourselves better. Like our righteousness only comes from Jesus. And if we're following him and following Jesus, then we get his righteousness. If we're not, if we're trying to do it on our own, then uh, that doesn't, that's not what we do to be saved. So trust him, seek him first in these things. And then what does he say in the last part, verse 64? Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each has, a, each has enough trouble of its own. This is where it kind of closes and comes together for me. God is telling you not to worry about tomorrow. Why? Because he needs you now. He, he needs you in the present moment now because God's giving you something now. So much of my day, I think, or a lot of the times, I can get into this uh, habit of just like as soon as my mind comes on in the morning, I'm just thinking about a, a lot of other stuff and running through the motions. And uh, like, I, I mean, I know that I'm doing it because uh, Kelsey or, or one of my kids, my wife, will, will go, hey, is something going on? It's like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm thinking about something else. Like, I'm just, I'm rolling. But the word that God's given me to try to live out and embody uh, this year is the word present. To just be present in the moment. Man, that's hard. But the truth is, I have something in this moment that I'm supposed to be doing. Not just preaching, but on Sunday mornings. If, if I'm thinking about something else going on, or I'm thinking about what comes tomorrow, I'm not going to be effective with this moment. If you're thinking about the worries and the struggles and the problems that you have, uh, when your neighbor comes over maybe this afternoon and wants to ask you a question that you like, get really annoyed by, God's not wanting you tomorrow. He's wanting you there in the moment. So don't worry. But really, instead of saying don't worry, the words I would say to you is trust more. Trust more. That is so hard to do. It's easy to say. But what would happen in your life if you did this? Like I think what could happen with mine, I know what happens when I I trust God and rely on him for his provision and acknowledge him for that. And when we do that, we can actually uh, live out uh, the things and, and do things that have eternal significance. And again, this is the only thing we can control. The only thing you can control in your life is whether or not you have the conversation uh, with a friend who doesn't know Jesus about uh, your relationship with him. The thing you can control is how you love the, the checker in Brookshire's or, or, or uh, uh, Wise or whatever, wherever you go get groceries, like uh, how you love them in that moment, that's the thing you can control. You can't control other people calling you or kids saying stuff or whatever. So I just encourage you, the same way that God's been working on me, to live in the moment, in the present, live for him. Maybe you need to come and have that hope and have a conversation uh, because you've never trusted Jesus with your life. Maybe you need to just come and go, God, I've been worrying about these things. I'm going to trust you with them. 
Whatever that needs to look like in the next moment, I would just encourage you to come. So let me pray, and then we'll do that. God, we love you, and Lord, we're grateful. Uh, We're grateful for how you have revealed this to us. God, I'm grateful for how you provide. So much of the things that you provide for me on a daily basis, I don't even recognize. And so much of the things I I worry about, you've already provided for, and you have the ability to move and change and, and work something on. So God, help my worry. As Paul said, help my unbelief. Help me to trust more in who you are and more in what you want to do in my life. Help me to live in the present. God, we love you and we trust you. In your name we pray.